can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. We can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. Nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits, conquer fear, or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. Look to the future, but embrace our past. We study, we analyze, we race on Sunday so we can innovate on Monday. We exercise trial and error religiously. through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection. We learn. How to make product for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision. That's where it all started. 
Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Bread, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Fly Racing Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Justified Cultures, Traction MX Seat Covers, and Moto Ice Wrap. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. Special guest that we have with us on the line today is none other than Dennis Stapleton. Dennis, how's it going? Uh, doing awesome. Just getting ready for the two-stroke national here. Uh, my dad's out out here helping me prep, get some tires on my bike, some fresh filters, and, uh, you know, the average uh, checklist that you have for going to the races. No doubt, man. Well, it's an exciting time. I, of course, am a huge two-stroke fan. I know you are as well, but you also ride everything, so uh, hard to really pinpoint exactly what you're uh, totally in love with, but... What, what, honestly, the, what you are completely in love with is all things two wheels. And I really appreciate you giving me some time today and, uh, and, and basically give us, the listeners, uh, a little bit of a look inside the world of uh, racing in SoCal and what it takes to be a member of the, uh, of, of the, the wrecking crew. So uh, for those who aren't super familiar, for those who don't know the ins and outs of Dennis Stapleton, uh, give us uh, a little bit of a, an overview of, of, of who the heck you are and what do you do. Um, yeah, you know, I was born and raised up in Northern California, so it was uh, always a rival to come down and try and beat the Southern California kids back, you know, early 90s, 80 beginner days. Um, yeah. That, you know, you had really good riders, Dean Matson, Rick Ryan, Jeff Pastana, um, Butch Smith, which was Rookie of the Year before. I mean, you have a list that goes on that you can't believe from Northern California, the Bolin brothers. Um, right. So I, I spent a lot of time... Uh, chasing races that Rick Ryan went to as a kid. Um, he always knew where the money races were, ended up in Southern California, um, figured out. You must that have raised a lot of Golden States then, no? Yeah, a lot of Golden States, uh, Pacific Northwest, um, AMP. There used to be this Los Banos series that was always really good. They had a, a Bounty Hunter series. Um, the slowest rider started in the back or in the front, and the fastest rider started in the back and it was about $50 per person you pass. So Rusty Holland and riders like that would give you uh give you a roughing up for 50 bucks. Um, no so kidding. It was a real, yeah. You know that those guys by the end of the night when they would bet or pay the purse money, uh, you can make a couple grand. So if you were in the way you were, you were definitely in the dirt. Fair enough, fair enough. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the two-stroke national coming up this weekend. Uh, there's a uh, you you could choose a, a number of different uh, machines to be on, but uh, uh, how did you uh, what bike did you choose? How did you choose it? And um, like, do you circle this particular uh, event on the calendar at all, uh, or or is it uh, just just another race for you guys? Because uh, living down in SoCal, you guys pretty much race uh, around the calendar, or at least riding around the calendar. Uh, what, what's special about the Two Stroke National? Um, well, anyone from my era, Two Strokes, uh, you grew up riding them, so you always have that uh, that fun, that uh, excitement to always get on a Two Stroke and rip it. It's Two Strokes are for sure my favorite bikes. Um, they're not necessarily always the most competitive nowadays against some of the four strokes. 
Um, they have come, they have come a long way. Um, for a lot of people that don't know, I had the opportunity in 2000 to ride for the fast by Farachi Husqvarna team and do some testing in the early years of my career. So right. I picked a TC 252 stroke this weekend. Um, no I put, uh, some cone valve air stuff. Um, did a bunch of testing with factory connection, uh, pro circuit pipe and silencer, V force reads and, uh, made the bike fluorescent yellow. So it's a, it's a standout. It's yellow and blue. It's got big Weissco logos on it. Um, I, metal tech built me some custom foot pegs. I run the outside edges a little taller, um, to help keep that outside pressure, uh, yeah. on the foot pegs and all that good stuff. No, uh, no mo no motor work, you know, uh, it's quite crazy that previous years, you know, bikes would be 32 to 1, 40 to 1 if you had a really good two-stroke. These KTM and Husqvarna's are running 60 to 1 for the gas. It's, uh, it's crazy to uh, even think that we could have that little Get oil in the, in the mixture. Yeah. And when I first did it earlier in the year when they introduced the new bikes, I was uh, not going to lie. I was a little timid of it. And we put hours and hours and hours on the bikes with no issues. So. That is a, that's a new one. No kidding. It just, that, that speaks volumes to the progression of the two strokes. And I think that's kind of almost a little bit of a hats off to, um, KTM and Husqvarna for, uh, getting that research in so that we can enjoy that. And the fact that, uh, uh prior to that, like you said, any Japanese two stroke, uh, is almost like it was, uh, you almost, you, you could tattoo 32 to one on your sleeve somewhere, uh, just to keep yourself reminded of what was necessary to, to make those things sing. But, uh, yeah, 60 to one now on, uh, on like that's and that that's a not built up engine that's that's how they come from stock yeah yeah that's that's what they recommend in the owner's manual 60 to 1 with pump gas 50 to 1 with race gas wow um yeah so that's that's crazy but uh you know the glenn helen two-stroke imitational um race will also be coming up at halftime so the top 20 pros this weekend will get invited to race a two-stroke at halftime of the glenn helen national so cool. that, that, so there, there's a little pressure for some people that are, you know, on the bubble. Um, it's always yep. a, a, it's a feeling if you've never got to do it to, uh, line up and get that gate drop with that many spectators and the, how crazy the national is at Glen Helen. Um, yeah, and how deep it will be, and national style prep. That is really, really cool. I did not know that just till just now. That is a cool wrinkle. Honestly, uh, I think I might have to come down to uh, to Glen Helen now. Yeah. So um, this weekend they have added the new uh, new hill in, which uh, you'll do instead of the Talladega turn at Glen Helen. You'll be as you make the right, you're going to go straight up the hill. Um, that is how they'll have the start for the national. Uh, they have also added the sand section in which previous 2005, uh, before all the rules of how uh, much emergency lane and from the fence uh, needed, they used to run the, uh, a sand section in the middle below Talladega at Glen Helen. They, have, right. uh, they, they brought that back. Uh, we will be breaking that in. Uh, today they're breaking it in on practice day. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't go to practice day as I've spent hundreds and hundreds of laps testing and uh, Glen Helen's the – the testing grounds for motocross action magazine. So yeah, um, I, was, I would I, venture to say you've had thousands of laps at that track. Yeah. I wouldn't say too many people have more laps than me out there. It's, it's a home away from home. Um, <laughs> even on my off day, I seem to 
be able to run with kids that are quite a bit better than me at uh at that facility you know sometimes i'll go to paula and the same guy will will hand it to me pretty easy and we go to Glen helen and i have a uh give him a run for his money especially if we go to the rem side which is saturday's race uh yeah frank and the guys do an awesome job that's a saturday series they have three to almost every weekend of the year um races start at nine most of the time they're done by two the vet classes are the biggest Min- not so big for the mini classes um but it's awesome you get long motos this time of the year they uh the Leading up to the Nationals, they do 30-minute motos for the pros. You'll get people like Alessi. Um, if there's been an injured factory guy from Mitch Payton's team or any of those or star racing, really? they'll come out and uh, and get their feet wet. Dean Wilson rode a lot of them last year. Um, hmm. Get time on the bike, get some gate drops. It's, it's unique, and it's a lot of fun. No kidding. And uh, so of the characters that we're looking forward to this weekend with the the, uh, the two-stroke national, unfortunately, Ryan Morris will be in uh, – he's in, uh, in Austria. So one last guy to, to worry about. But uh, Michael Sleater, uh, perhaps uh, a um, – I, I imagine Kiefer will be there. And then uh, I don't know if Sean Collier is going to make it out there or not. But uh, John John Ames as well as um, – the other guy that Bill's Pipes is bringing out there. Uh, his yeah, name I mean, escapes me. Yeah, but the, uh, some guys from the Barn Pros team are going to come out there, so it'll, it'll be interesting nonetheless. Yeah, no, I did see um, Collier out there yesterday. He was on a TM motorcycle yesterday, not his usual 500. His turn speed's yeah, his turn speed's amazing. You'll, you'll have a lot of kids from, like, Dirt Bike Magazine, the Wageman Brothers. Um, yeah, Wageman's on Suzuki. Eric Swan, the Wild Swan, will be uh, riding an MTA YZ 252-stroke. He's always a a fun one to watch. You know, he'll either be up front or sending it, bouncing off people. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's a, he's a win-try-crash kind of guy, so that's always fun to watch. Uh, I saw Ames out there yesterday. He was looking very good. Um, there was actually two guys on old CR 500s yesterday throwing it down. No numbers, fly gear. Um, I had no idea who they were. If they ride that good on race day, they'll definitely be up front. Um, that's fair enough. On the MXA side, uh, Johnny Jaldera will be riding the TM, uh, 300 that we built, uh, right. And the latest, uh, issue of MXA. Um, Mm -hmm. he was out there testing yesterday, getting, uh, that kit KYB suspension dialed on the TM. Um, Ralph from, uh, the U S importer TM will have a, uh, quite a big group of guys on, uh, two strokes. You know, that's what TM pushes here in the States that they, they do sell four strokes, but their big push is two strokes. No um, kidding. Yeah. I I'd love to get on one of their one fifties. Those things look sweet. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe that we'll see Chris Kiefer. He's not a two stroke fan. Um, yeah. he, he doesn't really, uh, enjoy riding them. And, uh, I know his plate's full right now. He's got a lot of uh, pre-production testing and a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, obviously, we work different magazines. We're completely different people. We think different. But uh, he does a good job, and he's uh, he's on the other side of the venue, and testing is uh, where he makes his money, where someone like myself still makes more money working for some corporate companies and teaching kids. So it involves being at the races a little more. 
Fair enough, and we'll we'll, we'll touch on on your you know, the the many hats that you wear. But uh, um, moving away from the the two stroke national, I wish you the best of luck with that. I love to. Uh, I would love to have been there this weekend. I don't know why I didn't get uh, uh, more diligence as far as getting down there personally. I really should have booked a flight. But nevertheless, uh, let's let's turn the clocks back. Let's go back in time to where uh, Dennis Stapleton gets on a motocross bike for the first time, Northern California. Uh, there's these amazing tracks up there. There's tons of hot shot talent, whether it be the Volan brothers, whether it be uh, Tyler Evans, whether it be uh, um, Ricky Ryan, or even a guy like uh, Jeff Northrup. Um, where did you all fit in, in, in all that? Who are some of the guys that you battled with as a youngster, and uh, how did you fall in love with it all? Um, well, my dad obviously uh, rode a local professional, rode a lot of CMCs in his day late seventies, early eighties, which pro racing was really big for, uh, pros around, around those days, you know, Sand Hill would get up to like 80, 90 pros, two tracks wow. going old, old Northern California track. Um, my dad bought me a PW 50 when I was five. Um, we used to go to this place called Fort Ord army base and, uh, it was big sand hills and it was still probably one of the best places I've ever rode in my lifetime. Um, hmm. you would, you would have, Everybody that you could ever think of, from John Spashnois to Pastana to everybody through their career coming from anywhere in the United States down. Jason Fernet used to stay down in that area a lot, which is a pretty popular Canadian guy in those days. Everybody yes, would come, and uh, most top pros have made it through that way. There's a old famous track called Hollister Hills. It's an OHB park. Um, that was really big in in the 90s and the 2000s. They've... Uh, Got a little bit more strict, uh, but more practice days, not so much big races anymore. And, uh, you know, my heir was uh, Jeff Northrup, Donovan Mitchell, Tyler Evans, uh, a guy a lot of people probably forgot about, Brett Racine. He's an airplane pilot nowadays. Um, I mean, there were so many people, Aaron Chelsky, people that just didn't go all the way, but were really fast and local. Um, we used to have this guy at that Bounty Hunter series I was telling you about. Yeah, I never remember his name, but he wore an orange helmet, like an MXA helmet with no visor. We called him Pumpkinhead, and he always wore a flannel and pants. Jeez. And uh, he would be a front runner, and it was quite funny because we always looked at him as, "How could he be good?" I got shiny new Fox gear on, and this guy's got Levi's and a flannel, and he beats us. So that was an eye opener as a kid that what you look like doesn't mean what you're going to give out. So no kidding. Um. Yeah, the the race scene was was really big. And then uh, in 1992 was when it really all started. I was 12 years old, uh, started racing the winter series, and really got into racing. 92 was the beginning of nonstop dirt bikes for for me. Um, I rode all the way till 1994 until I broke my arm. I never missed a day of riding. So 92 to 94, we rode 365 days a year. Never took a day off. My dad couldn't keep the 80s running quick enough. He was buying them by bucket loads. And uh, we were spending lots of money at an old uh, shop called GP Sports. Okay. And uh, it's still funny. I laugh to this day. My parts bill was around 40 grand, um, which in those days was a lot of money. And, yeah, no uh, kidding. That would uh, that that would bet you like if it just if, if that you just convert that to motorcycles, given the fact that a bike was probably around fifty, like oh, five grand. Uh, that's that's nine bikes <laughs> worth yeah. of parts. Uh, that wasn't even including bikes. That was just the parts bill. 
So yeah. we, we definitely uh, rode through stuff. Uh, and then, you know, we stayed pretty local. And then when I turned 15, Tyler Evans turned 16. He was uh, pretty much my best friend at that time. We were glued at the hip till we were about 20 years old. He used to pull up to my high school beeping with our bikes loaded up in the back of my truck because he got a Sounds license like for me. And uh, our first trip to Southern California, uh, we were came down, stayed with a rider named Jeff Willow. Um, yep. Rode all around. We rode with uh, Greg Schnell and a bunch of old school guys. Uh, I was 15 years old and all the Michael Brandis and Casey Johnson and all those guys that everybody was looking up to, they were all winning local pro stuff and making a scene in uh, national and supercross. Long story short, uh, on the way home, we decided to play with fireworks and uh, Harold Hageman, Tyler Evans, and myself. We caught our truck on fire and burnt the three dirt bikes to the ground and the truck on Highway 5. Kind of, I was scared my dad was going to whoop my ass, so we all hitchhiked back to Southern California instead of making it to Northern California. Um, that really, uh, that really put a dampener in things. Cause my dad stopped helping me for about six months and they used to have these big RM cups and I had to borrow a bike to go race, uh, the Suzuki cup back in the day. And it was a piece of shit and it was kind of a, a downfall for me for like a year. It, it pretty much ruined my racing for a whole year. I took a big step backwards hmm. and, uh, That's not good. Yeah, you know, when your dad's paying your bills and you do something, not only was it my race bike, it was a bike of uh, Rick Ryan's, so we hadn't even paid for it yet, so that was a that was a big problem. My dad was pissed, so I ended up getting a job uh, working for the Penningtons, which uh, Corey Pennington was a fast kid out of Northern California a few years back riding nationals. They own a liquor deli store. I was doing morning prep. Um I started there, not very much money, so it took a long time to save up and uh, replace the dirt bike before my dad would help me. No kidding. And uh, so that was that was hard on me as a 15-year-old. Uh, all my friends had, they were going nonstop, and I had to buy my bike back before my dad would help me. Jeez, and then, man. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's your dad sticking to his guns, though. There's something to be said for that because, uh, I gotta say, there's a lot of times that my dad was pretty upset. He'd said he'd sell, he'd said he, he said that he would sell my bikes and, uh, he was, he, he never followed through on it. And I'm, I'm like, I'm glad he didn't. But, uh, uh, yeah, like probably, you, you probably learned a valuable lesson there. Yeah. And then, you know, w- once all that got going, I got a little bit of help through, uh, GP Sports. And a few people helped me through Yamaha. Then we got a Yamaha support deal, uh, like a shop ride, but it helped me get some bikes later on in the year. And that started Loretta's, uh, getting, starting to prep for the 96 season to go to Loretta's. And we had some really good motos, ended up with some okay results and decided that I was going to come home and ride local pro in 97 and see where we were at and, the PJ one arena crosses were really big back then and, uh, went to Fresno, rode a PJ one arena cross transferred, uh, got, got the last transfer spot into the main event. Uh, my very first arena cross, which was really cool. And, uh, a good friend of mine still to this day, Jeff Pastana was telling me I shouldn't be riding cause my bikes weren't set up. I had outdoor suspension, outdoor gearing. And, uh, the following weekend at Reno arena cross that, uh, bit me my bikes were 
uh, not junk, but not set up for what we were doing. And uh, we ran my bike lean at Reno in the cold weather and the altitude, and my bike seized off a jump. And uh, that put a big damper in the program. I broke uh, 27 bones, uh, 15 months off a motorcycle, and nine surgeries later. My leg was equivalent to Ken Robson's arm. So mm. that, always, that always left me with a little uh, giddy-up in my, uh, my stride. So a lot of people day. always go, oh, oh, yeah, I still limp to this day. Some people uh, always ask me, what happened or why I limp and all that happened from, uh, 97, the big crash in Reno. And, uh, I'm not, not in any pain, just my legs crooked. Um, obviously I still ride every day and ride road bikes and I can do everything. Um, mm-hmm. when they set my leg, cause I broke lower leg, uh, dislocated my knee and also broke a femur in that crash. So my leg got set crooked and the only way to ever fix that nowadays is to go back in and, Rebreak both legs, upper and lower. And the doctor said, if you don't hurt, go on with your day. So I just got some new foot orthotics to help me walk a little better. Um, Put a lot of effort in uh, towards riding this year and lost a bunch of weight. So I definitely feeling good this year. There you go. Well, right on. I'm glad to hear about that. Uh, Fitness is always important to me. Hey, this is Zach Cummins from Phoenix Racing Co. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to commercial. We'll be right back. Justified Cultures is the kind of apparel from the moment you put it on makes you feel like it was made just for you. Quality, comfortable apparel designed for and inspired by the live what you love lifestyle. Woven throughout the moto, desert, skate, and surf culture of Justified is the desire to celebrate human achievement, to inspire and create a modern lifestyle brand reflecting today's generation. Zach Commons, Matty Jesse, Phoenix Racing Co., Dominique Daffay, Cody Matichuk, and John Short are just a few athletes who don Justified Cultures clothing. Passion needed a clothing line to speak to the way that it lived each day. So, we created Justified Cultures. Navigate justifiedcultures.com to easily view over 40 individual styles to help you make a statement every time you step outside. As presenting sponsor to Big MX Radio, lock in promo code BIGMX17 when checking out at justifiedcultures.com to receive 30% off your Justified Cultures clothing. Express your lifestyle with Justified Cultures. Live what you love. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, guys, this is Cade Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off in the track, but I do it at K1 speed, too. 
But uh, like once that once you're healed, it's now uh, it's not it's not 1997 anymore. It's 1999. How do you pick up the pieces and uh, kind of get back after it? Because clearly uh, that crash wasn't enough to to knock you off or uh, deter you whatsoever. Um, well, things actually didn't go very well for me for a few years. Um, I put myself around some negative people that said I shouldn't ride. And then obviously you're not riding dirt bikes. So you're out screwing around, living in a beach town, Santa Cruz, um, not doing the right things, staying out late, not working on riding, thinking that your youth will carry you over. But I had lost the speed that the kids had built up, you know, the Northrop's, the Evans, all these guys were going so fast. They were getting ready to make their pro debut and going from on pace with people to not riding for a year and a half. As a kid, your mental game doesn't, uh, you don't quite understand. So I had lots of sleepless nights and, uh, it really bothered me. And, uh, the way I broke my leg made it awkward to hit my rear brake. So a big no-no, I used to break with my heel a lot because my leg wouldn't bend. Um, I rushed some things after uh, a couple surgeries at the end, and I actually re-blew out my ACL, so I got to sit out another six months. And then uh, it led to 2000, and me and my dad went and bought uh, just an average Honda 252-stroke from uh, Turbo Reese family. They used to own a dirt bike shop in the... Santa Maria area, uh, Paso Robles. Uh, yep. So Turbo Reef's father, uh, helped me get a dirt bike and, uh, we went to ride a couple nationals and that led to getting some durability testing for Husqvarna for the fast by Farachi team. And we rode those bikes throughout the year and Robbie Skaggs got a, a podium and Paul Carpenter had some good results that led him to further his deal. I think he went to the motorsport team and, uh, I made a few nationals, um, pretty disappointing, uh, season. I didn't understand what it took. Um, I was living in Pennsylvania with, a uh, Fred Ferducci. Uh, he had a shop called BPE and I met a kid named Damien Plotz, which was a real fast East coast kid. And he helped turn things around for me. And 2001, uh, came out, Wrote a couple supercrosses, realized uh, that wasn't really my thing. Focused on outdoors, and we qualified for all 12 main events that year and had some good results. There you go. And, yeah, how how were those Fast by Farachi uh, 125s? I, I, um, I, I've, I've heard mixed mixed uh, opinions and, and reviews of that stuff. And you finally got uh, your, your teammates with Tyler Evans because he was a, uh, a late addition to the team as well. Yeah, that was kind of funny growing up with Evans and then him coming back. It was actually uh, a little disappointing because my uh, my original number growing up was number 47. My pro number was 247, and uh, I didn't ride Supercross that year, so they gave Tyler number 247, so he kind of ruined my number. No kidding. Um, being really good friends with someone, you never want to be, especially from being Northern California, everyone was – always all about Tyler Evans. He was the, the showboat. He was obviously really fast to get on podiums. So when they gave him number 247, that's where the number 184 came about. I, uh, I switched my number and, uh, you know, we hung out a lot of, a lot of places. I remember Tyler borrowing gear at Unadilla because gear bags went missing and 
just funny stories in the semis traveling, having a good time. All that stuff was, uh, was still real fun at that time. It was, uh, like that. Were you you guys still really good friends or, uh, was there bitterness over the number? No, 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 no bitterness. I, you know, he would talk (laughs) smack to me and we would joke and we've always stayed good friends. I still talk to Tyler this day. Um, spoke to him last week, uh, on his way down before he got his car. Um, I know you did a podcast with him. I keep in contact with, yep. I even spoke to him when he was down in Costa Rica. We've always kept in contact. My dad and his father, uh, longtime friends, you know, going to the races since you were a kid, you become family with everybody in your local area at the track. Fair enough. So, uh, like, uh, obviously, uh, the, the team was, was, was the team, the fast by Farachi Husky team, was it run, uh, professional, you know, in a professional manner with like, like some, like you have good support on race day and like, uh, what were the bikes like? Because I've only heard, uh, uh, some not so great stories about those bikes. Uh, you know, the, the bikes weren't the best, but they also weren't the worst. If, uh, they didn't make the exhaust port too big or something crazy like that, the bikes actually were fast. Um, Farachi coming from the drag race, road race side had a different view of, uh, changing parts, you know, like greasing linkages, chassis setup. Um, I don't think everyone quite understood how much the frames got wore out and things like that. Um, they put a solid effort in, uh, you know, they had DKNY as a sponsor. They, they paid everyone's bill. They, uh, led Travis Preston to a Supercross main event win. Um, yes, sir. Coyote won plenty of GPs on them, so they weren't the worst bike for sure, but uh, for American Supercross and stuff like that, they, they weren't really on par with some of the Pro Circuit or FMF Hondas at the time or even the Primal Impulse Suzuki's or whatever was going on then. Um, none, none of that was on par with, with those bikes yet, but they uh, when they ran, they ran good. Um, you know, there were some people that came, tried to ride them, Stevie Merton's, um, a lot of people, Jason Thomas, Tyler Evans, Damian Plotz, um, Steve Lampson was obviously the big one. Everyone probably remembers another yeah. nor- Northern California guy. Um, that guy's but, got stories. I talked, I talked to, uh, Lammy for two and a half hours and, uh, we, we still didn't, we t- they still didn't touch on everything. Yeah, no, uh, Lampson's a legend. Um, used to watch him ride. Right up there when he would come home uh, in the sand pit in the Marysville River um, as a kid and bowling, put motos in. And it was quite different because you didn't have public tracks. Now that's a, a public track run by uh, Zeb Armstrong, uh, rep mm-hmm. racing. He has a uh, riverfront, East Street, and Prairie City. He's actually down here at my house as we speak, uh, riding some of the tracks, seeing what other people do. They're all heading out to Paula today. Okay. So, so, uh, like your professional career, uh, I, I feel like you might've left a little bit on the table as far as injuries and, uh, and, and just what, what your potential was. Does it ever like, uh, I was not to like, kind of like, uh, bring it up, but, uh, does it ever bug you that like, you kind of like think about your, your professional career as like, you could have done more or, uh, what if sort of thing? Like, do you, do you stay up late at night thinking about that sort of thing? No, actually, for uh, the time and how bad I hurt myself and the low income that we actually had at that time, uh, the silicon, by the time I was healed up, 
my father had a good job in the Silicon Valley. Uh, money had run out by that time. From the time I was a kid when we could go racing, the time I turned pro, like for most pros, my family was out of money by that time. And uh, I'd been hurt, so no one wanted to give you anything. You missed that opportunity right. to go from privateer to pro with help. Um, luckily, the Silicon Valley has good people that had made good money. So I had a few good people help me, um, with money, but it, uh, I don't look at it that way. I'm just amazed that from what I went through that I was ever able to come back and make main events and make a career out of it. Um, I had to stay in the hospital for seven weeks when I hurt myself. So from that time on with the negative doctors and things that went on, they pretty much told you you were done. So as a kid, your dream went away in a one jump over the handlebars. And then it, uh, it took months and months before I could even walk and do stuff. So by the time I came back, um, I looked at it as a, not what if I looked at it as like, well, I'm making mains. Let's build on this. And, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Bob Rathkamp from Garnet Boots, um, led me in some really good directions that changed my life. Uh, talked to me about getting in with the magazine. He was the first one that pointed me towards MXA and how to get test riding. Uh, qualifying for a national is a self-pride, feel good about yourself, but it doesn't, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to make any money. Um, no. Obviously your friends and family are going to tell you good job. Um, your sponsors that are your friends obviously are stoked that you made the main and it's an accomplishment that most can't do. Right. But you're now, you know, you might as well just go get a job and try to make some mains and be safe and enjoy it and figure out the right path. So Bob talked to me about being a test rider and test riders can get bikes and test riders get product and they also get coverage, which leads to other ways to make money. Right. That led to me uh, meeting the Basher brothers and Tim Olson. And that's how I ended up at MXA. Another tip that uh, Bob gave me that, most kids I'm surprised they haven't figured it out is international races. Um, they've obviously changed. Germany was a lot different as a kid. Um, European supercross wasn't quite as popular yet. Um, nowadays, if you're making mains in Germany or doing good at any of the events like that, you're, you're a bad dude. You're ripping, but there was factory contingency, uh, European races, um, and, ended up a lot in Asia, Philippines, Indonesia, um, spent a lot of time in Denmark. Uh, I was the first American rider to go to that event, Sword Across over in Holland, which is a big music festival. Really? Um, I took lots of riders over there. I took Hanson, Partridge, Politelli. Thomas has been with me. Uh, my friend Yarno is the promoter there. Um, I'm also still out of all the Americans that have been there. I'm the top uh, overall finishing American. With uh, four, even over, I got a, even over uh, a guy like uh, Jason Thomas, because that, that guy is was like, even was like the king of Germany. Yeah, um, but this was quite different. This was a, a fair race, not so many jumps. Uh, cars right. go around it. Um, people that made jet skis with wheels. I mean, it's the craziest event you've ever seen. A hundred bands, three hundred thousand <laughs> people. Um, yeah. It's kind of like a, it's a rough scrambles when you start. It's a smooth sand track through the forest with people throwing beer on you. Interesting. It's it's quite crazy. Um, Thomas Politelli, uh, Hanson, Partridge, 
Um, everybody that's been there, I feel that a lot of them didn't. Thomas definitely didn't have good luck. He was in pileups, I would say, 90% of the time to get, get going. His speed wasn't obviously really good. He rode really good. But uh, you always feel that there's other stuff going on because it's hard to get a start over there your pick you when you get guys like Deruver or Jeffrey Hurlings or some of these top, one or two top guys that show up um mm-hmm. it, it's hard to beat you're not going to beat them over in the sand no so no especially not and, a kid like Hurlings that guy's uh, next level yeah you know you got uh was a Dutch champion Mike Cross and and a lot of people that no one's ever heard of that just go blazing fast in the sand over in Holland but that event is also you get you get really sidetracked. I know Darren Durham went last year. Tyler Beerman went. Um, it's a festival, so it's hard not to stay up all night. Um, Hundred bands especially, going, especially for the two the last two guys that you'd mentioned. Yeah, you know I, I didn't go with them, but I'm sure they uh, they tore the place up and had a good time. I'd imagine. But uh, let's get back into uh, like uh, you you getting basically into the the magazine industry because uh, um, that's what's basically been the framework of uh, how you've uh, turned this into uh, a, a business over the last little while. Yeah, you know, uh, Mike Basher uh, was one of the first ones that I started talking to a lot. I became friends with Tim Olson. Um, Tim Olson was Jody's right-hand man for a long time, for over 10 years. And uh, Tim was leaving to go to uh, another job, and I was testing. And at the time, I wasn't getting paid. I was driving down and doing tests and whatever I could to get exposure and just go wherever the magazine took me. I was flying to intros. I got to go to Kawasaki intros, Red Bud. But there was no pay yet for me. I was... uh working, doing whatever to make money. And that led to Tim Olson asking me if I wanted a job. Um, had a meeting with Jody and John Basher. And then I ended up becoming an assistant editor. Um, wasn't really cut out for me. I didn't, I liked the dirt bike, the testing aspect, the daily dirt bikes, but the pro racing scene, like getting excited to go to Supercross and that stuff. I didn't, I didn't, care so much to go do the rider interviews or um, chase after riders to find out what was going on. A lot of them were my friends. I, so my my role changed. Uh, my buddy Daryl Eklund was the photo writer at the time, which doesn't pay. And uh, he is now the, uh, the manager. Um, John Basher has left to go work at JGR. And right. Daryl is now the boss, so we've all switched roles. Um, I'm the lead test chief for the magazine. So I live in Lake Elsinore, California. Jody lives Corona area. Um, so I'm at Jody's once or twice a week, getting bikes, building bikes, getting kids to test bikes, dyno runs, getting parts. Uh, we also do a lot of uh, production testing with Pro Circuit. Okay. So... Um, you know, I end up around Bones and a lot of those guys quite often. Uh, a lot of these uh, factory connections, Pro Circuits, Bills, FMF, all the companies in Southern California use magazines, not only for publicity, but also testing. Yeah. Sometimes I'll ask opinions, sometimes we'll go try parts. Uh, maybe that 
they say, Hey, is this good? Try it. Not on the record. We go do stuff like that. And it, uh, just keeps your foot in the door. You see everyone in the industry nonstop. You are literally nonstop, man. I can't stop to keep, to keep up with all of, uh, of your projects, whether it be a test bike or a bike build or a race that you're doing. It seems like every single week he got it all. Um, um, just, it's, it's all it's all itemized in your world, but to me it just seems like uh, uh, it, it comes nonstop. And on top of that, you also uh, run uh, a business and uh, rentals and teaching and all that some fun stuff. Um, how did you uh, develop the skills to uh, to test a motorcycle? Have you always been skilled at that? Have you always had a bit of a knack for breaking down a motorcycle? And uh, what what? Do you struggle with to this day as far as uh, testing, or uh, are there very few um, uh, weak points to your game right now? Um, no, like any test rider that's been in the game for a long time, you you learn a lot. I mean, uh, when I first started, I had no idea what trail was. I wasn't very picky because, as a privateer motocrosser, unless you have a big budget, there's no way you're picky. You ride if you got a torn grip and you got a race, you, you're going. If your tire's a little bald, you go. Um, nowadays after being in the game this long, for sure, I'm a little bit of a prima donna. Um, I will not go ride without new tires. Um, I, I definitely, my dad changes tires for me weekly. Um, I even go over budget what I can get. I even buy, we buy tires still to this day. Um, Dunlop obviously helps me tremendous. They're one of the key people in the, the program, but, uh, I always have new tires on my bike and I have a, uh, a little bit of a worry. I always have new chains on my bike. Um, I normally don't run a chain longer than two weeks max. So, um, I've, I've had a little bit of bad luck, uh, growing up with some chains breaking. So nowadays that I'm in the situation to, uh, put new chains and new tires. Yep. I, uh, new chains, new tires all the time, nonstop. Um, Testing, obviously, you you learn uh, as you get older um, from every person that you deal with usually teaches you something. You know, I started out as a durability rider, and which pretty much means you're showing up on time. They're going to use you for lots of riding. They're not going to teach you so much. Your job is to break parts, break motorcycles. And uh, that's usually where a test rider starts out because not too many people just jump on a motorcycle and go, Oh, there's too much oh, preload in the forks or there's oh, yeah. the shock heights wrong or, you know, um, so usually most people start out as durability, photo riders, things like that. And as you do more suspension tests, more project bikes, more bike intros, I mean, even feedback from Pingree, Kiefer, whoever it may be. Um, Steve Lamson was a really good test rider. So when you are around people, your buddies, they tell you about what they're doing to their bike. And then that sparks an interest. And maybe you try it like the new Honda. Maybe you take a bolt out of the pipe to make the, make it feel a little less rigid or gearing change. You know, everybody teases us at MXA about geared up one or, but a lot of that stuff still works. Um, our tracks are different here in California, Glen Helen, especially, um, right. But overall, you just, it's a feel and, and the group of people, and then pretty soon you just, you learn to test with the group that surrounds you. So people like Pro Circuit, I've, uh, I've spent the most time with. 
So you, you learn a lot from bones and they start teaching you more things and hands-on also helps. So nowadays that being the test chief, I build bikes for the magazine um, or go to dyno runs and you understand how things run. And it's just a, it's just your opinion. You know, I see these keyboard warriors. I laugh my ass off actually at them. They, uh, there's always a better way. There's always someone's idea that's better. Maybe this works better for a short guy or a tall guy. Testing is just an opinion to help move the program forward. Yes, there's certain things definitely that are just better, but uh, people get pretty pretty crazy on some ideas that they have. Um, always always makes some of us laugh that spend hours and hours doing it. I don't think people realize how many hours OEM manufacturers put into uh, building a triple clamp or that fork setting or doing some of that stuff. So it's uh, always always every day you can learn. Absolutely. What's what's probably the most valuable lesson that you've learned? Uh, maybe uh, other than uh, keeping new 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 chains on your bike over the years. Um. Well, two things kill people in our industry: not being on time and not being thankful. A lot of people once you get in, you start getting a lot of stuff. You know, things that are no no. Obviously, in normal life, getting something for free and selling it is a no no. Um, you're, you're taught that right away, especially when you're struggling in the beginning. It's, uh, it's something when you're getting a lot of gear or you're getting a lot of something, you can give away stuff that usually hampers people showing up late. Um, and it takes a long time until you make money at it. So usually people give up before they get to, to the good spot of, uh, testing or making money or being around the right people. Heck yeah, yeah, absolutely. Taking it for granted uh, in any situation that you're in is 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 uh, a quick um, is a direct route to, to exiting the uh, the community, whichever you're in. Hey everyone, let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. WUSA is your one stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys who are building wheels for Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. Hey, Big MX fans, thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. TractionMX is the place to get your seat covers for 
any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha, KTM, you name it, these guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one-of-a-kind. The reason why they're one-of-a-kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick the everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American, and uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you could have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to TractionMX.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with a viral brand. Viral brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market. From supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between. Viral brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. Head on over to theviralbrand.com and get tinted lenses, clear lenses, 10-pack of tear-offs, and goggle bag for only $59.99. Viral Brand products are available in the U.S., Canada, and Australia and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the viral brand. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road racers, you name it. For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel, works, and the brand new cone look is the right system for the job. When it comes to four strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field anywhere, anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to Bill'sPipes.com today. And never settle. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the other hats that you wear. Um, you you are a very very busy guy. You're, you're twisting a throttle just about every day. But when once you pe- put the bike away and uh, uh, tell dad to put new new fresh tires on there, you've also you, you put on the other hats. Uh, tell me a little bit about your work with Wiseco. Um, yeah, so I work for Wiseco. Um, a lot of people don't know that. There's three brands throughout the company. We just got bought. Uh, the new company is called Race Winning Brands. Um, my role was part-time with the company for the last five years. Uh, some small projects here and there, some testing, some fitment parts, uh, dealing with magazines, hanging banners at the event. Um, now that we got bought recently, uh, things are really good. Uh, we're advertising a lot of magazines. We have a some really, really cool new parts that we just started uh, showing people out in the world. Um, we have some cool new billet parts coming on the West Coast side. Um, the, the new people that bought us are putting big effort. We got uh, a spot for Mammoth. We've been doing California Classic last week. Um, banners helping more kids. We got uh, 
the new Suzuki Amateur Program is backed by uh, Pro-X sprockets, chains, and air filters, and uh, Wiseco uh, motor components. So that's awesome to be working with people like Chris Wheeler and, and those guys on uh, the amateur side. And uh, we also got RCH this year, uh, which helps us with development, testing, uh, just using, you know, Brock Tickle, Bogle, those high, high-end riders, they uh, they definitely put testing to a new level because they're uh, in how much they ride, how hard they ride. They're, uh, they're elite. So those people are very valuable to us. Right. Um, yeah, like, so you're working with uh, like the top of the sport developing these, this, this product. Um, what, what is the, uh, like the extent of your role with the company? Um, actually next week is my meeting right now. I'm uh, doing all media stuff. So I deal with uh, all the magazines. Um, last week I got pistons over to Don Maeda at trans world for Bill's pipes projects. Um, Talon Loftane, uh, has big Weissco fork stickers on a YZ250 uh, two-stroke that they built. Um, I actually am building a bike in the garage right now for Dirt Bike Magazine, which will be a Pro-X bike. Um, a lot of hands-on, a lot of magazine stuff, hanging banners at the track, um, helping get our uh, our rider support pro- program going one step at a time. You know, none of that stuff happens overnight. So it's a lot of uh, out in the field. Um I know that this year I will be doing some ride-alongs. I went to the Western Power Sports sales meeting this year, um, talked with dealers, uh, all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's just a process that's growing. Um, next week I will find out my complete role. They want me to uh, move up after being there five years. So I'm excited to see what they got in store for me. Um, that that'll be uh, that'll be good. I'm stoked to see that. Uh, we're moving forward this year. Big push on products. Everyone that works in the Ohio office, all those people are, are awesome. Um, growing up, I was sponsored by Weissco. A guy named Jay Clark used to be Weissco Jay. Now he is a competition for me, but still awesome guy. Um, so it's funny to see all the different piston people out here were hanging banners at the tracks or sticking stickers on kids' fork guards and just doing the daily routine. But the higher up you go requires more paperwork. So nowadays on the West coast side, you're more involved with higher up. Um, like right now I'm dealing with Aaron Johnson from RCH on some parts and go stop by pro circuit or maybe your local engine builder yesterday had a dealer ride day go on. So people wanted banners and keychains and West coast got these, uh, little keychains that, uh, we supply or give out at events and they're, uh, they're a big hit. Everybody runs over when we have them, and uh, people seem to really like them. That's cool, man. Like uh, I, I ride two strokes, uh, and I've always like for whatever reason I've always gone with the OEM piston. Uh, what would be the reason why I would go away from the OEM piston and call up the guys over at Weisco? It depends which model you're riding. You know, I would say some of our best parts are our YZ250 uh, single ring race part. Uh, we got coated uh, rings. We got uh, different pistons with skirt coating. Um, on the two-stroke side, I would say for sure Weisco has some of the best pistons in the game. Um, it's just a uh, really good race part. We got racer's choice part uh, called the PK kit. You can 
go to your local dealer and it comes with everything but a bearing right now. Uh, they're working on changing that so you can get your piston, rings, clips, gaskets, everything in one kit so you're not searching for parts. Everything comes in a box and you're ready to go. And there it's American made. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's American, American made. made. Yeah. So all our pistons are made back in Mentor, Ohio. So that's, nice. uh, that's always a plus. We like everything American made that we can get. That's, that's always a good thing. Now I'll have to, uh, I'll have to look into that next time I need a piston for either my KX 250, 125 or my KTM 2016, uh, KTM 250 SX. Um, I, in addition to your work with Wisco, you also are f- super involved, especially in the wintertime, with uh, cultivating new talent and teaching uh, riders uh, from uh, if, not only in uh, North America, but also uh, all over the world, it seems. So uh, clue us in a little bit on that, because uh, that is that is a side of things that uh, people do not know too much about, and I think they need to know more about. Yeah, you know, I people don't understand the the money and things that it takes to even grow that business. So I haven't pushed it that hard. We do have 11 rental bikes now. Um, I have a compound with two homes on it in Lake Elsinore, California. Um, I have a little guest house with three bedrooms, full kitchen, uh, full bathroom, everything they need, a barbecue, washer, dryer, all that on the guest side. Um, we have a three-car garage. Um, so a lot of people from around the world come stay with me. I tend to get more race kids instead of hobby people. Um, during the summer, I, I deal a lot with, uh, kids from Kuwait. I spent a lot of time over, uh, in the Middle East the last few years, um, helping build that up with them. Um, I got a big group of them coming again here in September after Ramadan. Um, so that's always exciting to see them improve and where the sport's gone over there. Um, next month for May, May is always a really big month due to, uh, California having two nationals. Um, course, a gentleman yeah. named a gentleman named Kelly Andrews is bringing a bunch of kids from South America up, and they'll rent my guest house, and me and Kelly will train them. Um, I have a couple boys that I'll be dealing with on some testing. Uh, one of them wants to test product while they're here, so he'll be renting my uh, 2017 Honda 450. And we'll test some suspension. We'll test some pipes. We'll get him going so when he goes back home, uh, he knows what money to spend and what parts he wants in South America where it's a little bit more difficult to get parts down there due to tax reasons and shipping. You know, with the 50% tax in some of those countries, bikes are $17,000 down there. So wow. you, definitely, <laughs> you, def- you definitely don't want to be wasting money. You know, Brazil... Argentina, Chile, um, Ecuador has some big changes going on. Um, the racing's really big. Dominican Republic, Mexico, all these places is, uh, is a really big push right now. There's a lot going on down there. Um, Andrew Matthews is down racing Dominican Republic. He's a Northeast guy, uh, spent a lot of time riding, uh, French Canadian supercross stuff. Uh, he's actually in Dominican Republic as we speak, riding some of the vet stuff. Uh, I believe the next Latin American championship might be down in Guatemala. Um, some of the Dominican Republic kids are riding uh, the Mexican National Series, which is going on right now. Some old school names. Eric Vallejo uh, is racing nice. this year down here. 
which is really cool. Um, I haven't seen him in a long time, but I see him racing the races. Um, Pedro Gonzalez, which rode for Pro Circuit, which old school guy as well. Um, he's he in charge of KTM. Canada from Morgan Racing. Yep. Um, 103. He, 103? He, yeah. He's running uh, KTM Mexico down there. He has an off-road team. He brings up a few kids. Um, he's got a really good program going on down there. So it's, uh, it's cool. You know, um, I do have some events coming up, some testing over in Italy. I will go ride a event in Philippines later in the year and, uh, everything pretty much in the middle East. It's the last week of events because of the temperature over there. It hits, uh, 145, 150 degrees during the summer over there. 50, uh, they average 49 to 51 year temperature. Yeah, so, no, it's seriously that is crazy, stupid hot. Like you don't want to be outside. You couldn't be outside. Yeah, so you know, a lot of those kids come over. Um, but no, I have a a van, trailer, guest house, rental bikes. Um, it's just been a big process building it up. So I haven't really pushed that side of the business till I have everything that I want. Um, people don't understand. It's all the little things from ice chest, t-shirts, easy ups, tables all the stuff that uh, takes a long time to build up. Uh, just one, everyone knows how expensive a dirt bike is. Um, when I started this four years ago, we had one dirt bike. Now we have 11. That's so, quite a few more. Yeah, and then by the time uh, you have a couple of local kids in training and riding and some magazine bikes, uh, the garage gets quite full as we rotate out. Uh, I have a separate storage Um where I keep stuff so I don't have too many bikes in the garage. Southern California, oh, yeah. you know, you you got to keep an eye on your stuff. Dirt bikes down here are something people want. So No kidding. And I've been stuff. in your garage. It's It was stocked full then. I'm sure it's even more now. Um, at, like, uh, What's the most rewarding experience about what you do? Um, you know, it, it, it depends on the level rider. It, I have uh, some people coming... Uh, next week from New York to come ride REM. Uh, I'll bring out two dirt bikes. We'll go hang out with the REM crew and, uh, go race. And those guys are here for a good time. They want to, they want to see what Saturday racing is all about down here. Um, those guys are here just for fun. Uh, so you're always trying to put a smile on people like that, that are not so serious that just enjoy our sport. Um, that's always really rewarding. Um, Obviously, working with young kids, my part of our uh, Nobby shop, uh, my dad's one of the large Cobra dealers. Uh, seeing a little kid smile, get a new bike, start racing the, the Cobra bikes, and helping them get going, uh, teaching people about the sport. Um, we deal with a lot of people here at the house that are entry level buying a new bike for their five year old kid and don't know that much. So, trying to point them in the right direction. Uh, so they don't uh, spend as much time as I did trying to learn the ropes. No kidding. If they can learn from your expe- your experience and uh, your mistakes, then that all all the better. Um, when it comes to uh, like, obviously, the first thing I think of when I think of renting motorcycles or teaching is uh, like the the common mistakes that people make. What are some of the uh, the the problems or the, the, the errors that you're constantly uh, fixing with these kids because uh, it's no small task. Yeah, well, you know, most people uh, have bad habits with their feet. They ride with their feet out like a duck. Um, as you get Guilty. older, you become 
you become more stiff, which really stretching comes into play when you're working with a lot of older guys. For the kids, it's uh, working with patience. Kids are very impatient. Um, big mistakes lead to crashes, which uh, causes injuries, and injuries set them back, and then they're in a panic mode again to catch up to uh, kids they feel they need to need to beat. Um, just teaching people that there is time to uh, get to your goals. Um, obviously, re-gripping. A lot of people don't understand that top pros and top people all roll their hands forward on the handlebars and get that breath in on their when they're racing or riding and keep their posture and their their arms up and a lot of basic stuff. With kids, it's more patience. With old guys, it's working on getting back to that position they once were as a kid, you know, sitting forward for a 50-year-old guy and uh, getting your uh, your heel off the foot peg and getting your toe uh, or more of the ball of your foot back on the foot peg is not an easy task for an older guy or older no, lady. sure not. Yeah. Um, you know, as you get older, you're just not flexible unless you work at it. Um, most kids that I see down here is budgeting their money. Um, Southern California is fun easy to waste a lot of money. Kids are always going go-karting. No matter what you have, someone's always outdoing you down here. So budget, patience, um, trying to tell kids that not to rush into just trying to turn pro when they're not ready. Uh, we see that a lot down here. A lot of kids come and aren't really ready for what they signed up for. And uh, just trying to point them in the right direction, really. Totally. No, it's it, uh, it's a, a noble deed that you you take on, my friend, and you continue to do it. Uh, what's what's the future look like for uh, for Dennis Stapleton? What are the things that are on the horizon? How do you want to build and continue to contribute to the community of Southern California? Because uh, uh, for all intents and purposes, you've been a huge, huge member of uh, of of the motorcross community worldwide. Because as you said, lots of travel, lots of teaching, and uh, for as far as the motocross action magazine reach is over the last uh, 18 years you've been uh, uh, you have been a, a big contributor to that as well so uh, safe to say uh, my dad has read uh, a lot of your work and seen a lot of your photos and uh, honestly taken probably too much of your advice yeah you know it's a, a lot of settings and a lot of things we do is just a, a, a base starting point for people um, some things work for people some things don't work for people uh, we do spend a lot of a lot of time at MXA on bikes. Um, I know some people didn't like our Honda 450 review this year, but we were just stating what we saw, what went on, uh, beliefs that we had, and uh, we use 20 to 25 people um, riding these bikes. I have my fast group, you know, people like Johnny Jaldera, Austin Politelli, myself, Daryl Eklund, which is the manager, is also a very good rider, made Supercross main. Um, when he throws a leg over a bike, he still knows a lot. Um, and then also we got Jody's crew, which is the REM crew. We call it the, the pumpkin head crew, the orange, orange helmet guys that race Jody. Jody takes racing REM very serious. He believes that racing every Saturday and testing the bikes is, is a key part. Um, we put them under stress that sometimes maybe people riding, ride one lap hard, ride a few laps slow, ride hard when you're just out practicing. Racing, you're abusing the clutch, you're dragging the brakes, you're getting the bikes hot, do chain guides wear out, do bikes blow up, what brakes on them. 
um, you know, our bikes never, never, ever get a, a, a break. People are always racing them. We're always riding them. And with that leads to a lot of work in the garage, filters, oil, seeing, uh, seeing what really goes on. Um, Jody's very knowledgeable, uh, been around for ever. Uh, a lot of people, uh, contribute and, uh, help us out at the magazine, which is always a good thing. Heck yeah. Um, what, what's, uh, what has changed about MXA over the last years or what were like things for the better things so that you wish there were uh, a little bit more, uh, like just kind of like the, the freedom of the, of things were a little bit like with people didn't have to be so politically correct, uh, 15 years ago, what has changed and, and, and uh, how has it kind of, uh, changed the way you approach, uh, whether it be a bike test or bringing out new information? Um, well, a lot of people know that motocross action, we don't have women, we don't have skulls. We, uh, we try to keep the magazine as, uh, family oriented as possible. Uh, Jody and our publisher, everybody would like to be able to throw a motocross action magazine on the counter and your daughter and grandma could look at it and you guys would be okay with it. Um, that's something that will never change as long as, uh, Jody and the publisher and all the, the people are around. Um, they feel that's a, a big part of the magazine. Overall, motocross action hasn't changed that much. People have come and gone. Um, we still have pretty much same routines. Um, as far as all magazines, all people, I feel that social media is the new big bang, hard to keep up with. Um, all of us that work now are doing extra because you got Facebook Live, you got Instagram, you got all these things that we're doing, YouTube channel, more videos, more bike tests. Um, it, it's just a big spread of different things that we have our hands on. You know, sometimes it's hard when you're driving to Glen Helen, testing all day, going to Milestone the next day. Oh, we're testing this. Put an Instagram photo up. That's not always on the top of your brain. But it's also <laughs> yeah. it's also hard to sometimes on the corporate side to hire someone we've had people on some of our corporate businesses that are in charge of social media, but they're in the office. So by the time you get them a photo, it's no longer Insta. It's not happening right now. So, you know, Daryl, Travis Fant, our video guy has a big part in helping us. Um, Daryl, um, Jody and Daryl do all the website stuff. Um, Travis does all the videos I'm out in the field doing all the testing. We have multiple people around the world that supply us with stuff from Supercross to Nationals. Um, we have uh, two guys shooting all the Supercrosses. We'll have two guys shooting all the outdoors. Um, we have a guy that works GPs for us. So it's it's a big group of people trying to make it all happen. But social media is definitely what's changed us, put a, a little bit more work on the plate. But it's not a bad thing. It's fun. It's uh, always interesting to read comments um, through the social media side. Some people are polite, and you know, the we're in the business to give news, news about bikes, news about races. I would say the funniest comments that I get are people that are mad that we put Supercross race results up. You know, I, I get some nasty emails from people that go, "You guys are idiots." I'm banning your page. I'm never listening to you again because we put Supercross post up and maybe that person is 
in California and the race is in New York and it's six o'clock. Well, if you don't want to see race results or what's yeah, going on, spoiler alert, Cross, stay off Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. <laughs> we're, we're not the only ones putting it up. It's yeah, just our everyone job. Does. Everyone does. We're in the job. I do. To put news up. <laughs> Ra- racing is news. So, uh, you know, th- those people are probably mm, the most ruthless. They write the meanest comments say the dumbest stuff um obviously stay off your phone if you don't want to know race results because yeah that's we have to put them, we have to put so them up funny. i mean our our main focus is give people news and stir the pot a little bit yeah exactly no it's the the for for every person that is upset that they saw who, who won there's a hundred people that are like, oh, like that are busy on a Saturday night. Believe it or not, not everybody hunkers down in front of their television with their motocross helmet on and a bowl full of Cheetos, just waiting to just to watch every single second of it. Like it, as much as I do do that quite a bit when I'm not able to go to the races, uh, sometimes I, I can't watch the race. I got I got hockey that night. I got uh, at, at some point I got to go on, on a date with my girlfriend on a Saturday night. Uh, you can't watch the race, and uh, if I want to know who won the Heat race, I can go follow uh, more cross action on on, uh, on Instagram and uh, and quickly find out what uh, what went on or if there was a big crash or this that and the other thing. Like uh, it's news and it's instant and it needs to be there. So uh, I, 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 to, to those people who are upset, I tell them the pounce end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I always <laughs> laugh at that. Those people are are probably the funniest Facebook messages or DM messages on Instagram that we get. Um, we do get a lot of uh, a lot of people emailing us, "Hey, our bike broke. What you said in the magazine, and or this part worked really well, or uh, you know." And then also you have people that don't believe in what you're doing, but that's okay. Not everything not everything we're doing is going to make everybody happy. Once you get past that point, uh, your day goes a lot smoother. Heck yeah, man! That, that's that's hundred percent. So. Um... Unbelievable conversation with you, Dennis. Uh, I wish you the best of luck this weekend and in all of your endeavors with uh, with Wiseco, with your uh, with the Nobby Shop, as well as uh, with your schools and uh, and MXA. Um, final thoughts before I let you go, because uh, I know you you've always got a lot to say, a lot of positive things to say about uh, Supercross, Motocross, and uh, the community in general. Yeah, just remember, everybody started riding dirt bikes to have fun on them. Um, sometimes it gets a little carried away, people take it really serious um obviously dirt bikes are serious and expensive but we all rode dirt bikes to enjoy the fun with our family or our friends and uh that's something that we always try to remind the kids or people that came here that uh we're fortunate to be riding dirt bikes um look on the bright side it's most people in southern california are at the track three days a week why other people are not so fortunate so just try to be happy ride dirt bikes and do the best you can to uh, help grow our sport, you know. Um, teach kids that it's good and fun and push people on to motorcycles, which helps keep our sport around for everyone that likes it, keep tracks open. Um, it, it's always funny that people don't want to pay a gate fee to go ride a public track, but they want to wet and prep tracks. So those people bust their ass. Just uh, be thankful for what we have. 
Yeah, diesel ain't cheap, my friend. Uh, to get to to run those uh, the machine and someone that operates it needs to get paid as well. Uh, always always happy to pay the the entry fees if I'm able to ride uh, any time of year, whether it be up here in Canada or down in SoCal. Uh, really appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you for giving me an hour of your Good Friday. Um, yep. Don't hang up just yet. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if people wanted to find me, my Instagram StapleMX. Uh, yes. Facebook's my name. Um, I do have a new website built uh, for the rentals and all that this year, but I'm not going to launch it till September. Uh, most people are not looking to uh, come ride dirt bikes in 115 degree weather, so I don't want to put no. it up too early. Um, so later in the year, that will be up. But uh, want to check out what we're doing. Motocross Action Magazine uh, usually has a lot of info on what I'm doing and my uh, personal Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. Well, we'll keep in touch. We'll follow all things. Uh, Dennis Stapleton, really appreciate the time, my friend. Don't hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. Awesome. Thank you.